Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Dave Muller Show. Softy. Now, back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen. What is that? That has to be one of the worst calls I've seen because Russell Wilson is getting up to run. Dave Softy Mahler. If 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 that's all, if, if keeping Romar and is the only way we guarantee Michael Porter, then I just think it has to happen. And I mean, I, I know it's 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 hard. I know Husky fans want success, but I mean, what's the difference in another? eight months, and I think this kid's going to really do something special here for Washington. All right. The voice of Brandon Roy, who joined us at 3 o'clock. We got Garfield, Nathan Hill, 8 o'clock tonight. Dick Fain on the call. Does he have a color man with him, by the way? Is there an analyst with him? Who's doing the game? Bruce Floyd. I don't know who that is. I'm sure he'll do great, though. Anyway, it's Free Movie Friday, and all day, every Friday, we're sending you to the movies. Thanks to our friends at Adam Tickets. Log on to sportsradiokjr.com. Enter for your chance to win. The Adam Tickets app, where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, pre-order concessions, and skip the lines. Download the free Adam Tickets app now, or visit adamtickets.com for hassle-free movies. Invite a whole group of friends without footing the bill, all from your phone. That's Adam Tickets. All right. I did it again. I can't help myself, man. I'm sorry. I took a peek at the text one. Of course, you always... Don't even say you did it again. You do it every day. Well, I saw... You have it open all the time. Okay, that's not true. It's, oh, really? It's open almost all the time. Not all it's the It's not open right Stop. when I turn the computer on. Stop exaggerating. You know, I haven't gotten in yet. So, 49451, we'll get to your text of 445. Nate Burleson coming up next. But I did see a text from somebody who says that Lorenzo Romar will take the soon-to-be-open Missouri job, and the Porters will move back to Missouri with Michael and Jonte going with them. Now, I'll say this, that I've heard that rumor myself, and it's been out there actually for a couple years now. I think uh, Romar's name was tied to Missouri maybe a couple years ago. And I literally, and I can show it to you, by the way, off the air, if you don't believe me, got a text from an ex-Husky basketball player, swear to God, two days ago, who told me about the Romar to Missouri rumor. And uh, again, whether you lose Porter and Romar goes with him or you lose Porter and Romar doesn't go with him, either way, you're losing Porter. And that's all that matters. So if you get rid of Romar and he takes off and goes to Missouri or you get rid of Romar and Porter takes off and goes to wherever, are we willing to get rid of this type of talent to simply get rid of the head coach and not wait, as Brandon said, another eight months to maybe go after somebody else after the season's over? Uh, The guy that you want, whoever that coach that you want is, is there only one guy out there? that you want to replace Romar? And are you concerned that if you don't get rid of Romar now that you'll lose the guy that you want? Maybe. Maybe that's the case. 405. Uh, Nate Burleson coming up next segment talking NFL. All right, let's go to the phone lines. DJ's out in Lacey. What's up, pal? Hey, what's up, Davey? Hey, uh, I think it's – I mean, I think I'm with you on this where, sure, I can see some sort of uh, intelligent thought in maybe getting rid of Romar. But, I mean, really, come on. There's no option here. Like we got to keep this. 
Okay. I think you made a really good point. I mean, so you said there, there's four or possibly five in the top 100, right? There's four right now with Blake Harris, uh, Dejon, Jalen, and then Michael. And if Jonte, his brother, shows up a year early, that's five. Yeah. So, I mean, what the, I mean, we're, we're getting actually what that Jess earlier kind of wanted. He wanted someone to build a program. All five of those guys aren't one and done. Right. We're going to set, we're going to set not, not just one, but this is the one the number one recruit in the nation. We're surrounding him with talent, guys like role players like Dickerson and whatnot, who might stay an additional two, three, possibly four years. Isn't that what we got with Pondexter and Brockman and, and everybody, yeah. four-year seniors with yeah. experience? Well, Let's get one. back yeah. to the tourney, baby. Yeah, well, you know? that's, I mean, uh, Romar's greatest success obviously came with seniors and juniors. Uh, Quincy is a senior in the Sweet 16 against Syracuse, Brandon Roy, as a senior in the Sweet 16 against UConn, uh, Nate Robinson is what a junior, I think, in the Sweet 16 against Louisville. So yeah, I mean that that's been the recipe for Lorenzo Romar. And as, as a buddy of mine texted, you know, this guy, uh, my friend, uh, says he wants him out because there's no need to waste another first round draft pick under Lorenzo Romar. They've wasted Roten, they've wasted Ross, they've wasted Chris, they've wasted Murray, and he just simply doesn't want to see it again. And I get that. I mean, guys, this is. Like I said yesterday, there's no argument I think you can make on either side of the ball here, keeping him, letting him go. That can't just that or that can just be dismissed. No way. Scott's and Everett. Scott, you're on the air. Go ahead, man. Hey, Softy. A couple things, real quick. One, do we uh, keep Ty Willingham if we have the number one quarterback in the nation, John Elway, coming to the uh, Huskies to play football? Let me ask you no. a question. Uh, is that comparable to the number one player in basketball? You think it is? I, I do, just based on the fact that I just think Romar struggles with coaching X's and O's. And, and, and me, personally, I would like to see him go by and then get Brandon Roy. That's okay. just my opinion. Well, i tell you what. I think at some point, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say this right now, I, I think at I'm some point up. down the road, uh, I think Brandon Roy is going to be coaching at Washington. Whether as an, as an assistant or a head coach, I don't know. But I think at some point in his life, he's going to be walking the sidelines at Montlake. Now, I will tell you this. I get what you're trying to say about Tyrone Willingham. First of all, I don't think Lorenzo Romar is Tyrone Willingham in a lot of ways. Okay, He may not be producing results, and nobody can argue that, but he's not Tyrone Willingham on the court, and he's not Tyrone Willingham off the court. That's number one. Number two, a 18-year-old college football freshman quarterback is never, ever going to have the impact that an 18-year-old college basketball freshman can have on the court. We've seen in college basketball, freshmen can make impacts. When was the last time you saw a true freshman in college football at the quarterback position make the kind of impact that we're talking about Michael Porter Jr. having on the basketball court? Doesn't mean Michael's going to do it. Certainly it's possible he won't do it. But you can't compare a college basketball power forward as a freshman to a college football quarterback as a freshman, it's a totally different animal. 409. Uh, Roscoe, Ravenna, go for it. Hey, guys. I was just – I texted you, but why don't we just keep Romar on like a GM in the NBA because hmm. he drafts great or he signs talent great and then get a good game coach and work it as a team. Yeah, well, listen, I think that uh, whoever the next coach is, uh, if it's not going to be Lorenzo Romar past next year or past this year, uh, I I think there's a chance that Lorenzo has a hand in who that guy is or maybe a – uh, they they use his uh, guidance, or uh, he's got some input on who that who that person's going to be 
especially if that person is hired on next year's staff. I mean, who was the guy? Who was the uh, T.J. Otzelberger? Was with us for a couple years and then took off and went to Iowa State and was supposed to be the next head coach. There was kind of rumors behind the scenes he was going there to work for, I think, what, Hoiberg, uh, because T.J. Otzelberger was going to be kind of the coach in waiting. Teams do that all the time as far as hiring guys under the pretense that, hey, when your boss leaves, you are the next dude. And T.J. Otzelberger right now is the head coach at South Dakota State. But when he left here to go to Missouri, uh, or excuse me, Iowa State, uh, people thought that he was doing that to be the new guy. Uh, and that certainly could happen here. Something like that could happen here. Uh, Steve is in Sammamish. You're on the air, Steve. Go ahead, man. Hey, that was some great radio softy with Brandon. That, Thank you. That got, me, that got me fired up. Three real quick things. Let's remember now, Washington, when they hired Romar, they first offered Mark Few. Then they offered Quinn Snyder. Then they offered Dan Monson. Romar was the fourth coach that we offered it to. My point being, this is not a destination coaching mecca for big-time established coaches. And I've heard people say, well, why don't we go get Matino or these guys? Nonsense. Number two, in fact, would be, who in the world? I'd like to hear somebody name three coaches they believe would accept the job here that, and, and what would it take to get them. I've never heard anyone give me a credible answer. And lastly, Romar and all we wouldn't even have this discussion. Nobody thought Chris or DeJounte Murray were going to leave after one year. Mm-hmm. And as you said, if you put Markell with those two guys and what they have now, we're not having this discussion. We're trying to find a way to get tickets to the regionals. So it's premature. Brandon's spot on. Uh, but it make no sense to get rid of Romar. Thanks for taking the call, sir. Got you, man. Appreciate the call, man. Let's go out to uh, Scott on line five. Scott, you're on the air. Go ahead, man. Hey, um, I pretty much disagree with everything that other guy just said. I mean, if, if we thought that the question was talent, then we wouldn't be in a tournament drought for five years. I mean, we're, we're sitting around talking about what's going to happen when we get uh, Porter. We have Markel Fultz on the team right now. I mean, and, and they're just not getting it done. They lose and they lose and they lose. And Romar throws his jacket on the court and he stomps around, but these kids can't play defense. They foul themselves out of every game they play in. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a joke of a product they're putting on the floor. And, you know, if we want a, if we want a guy that – if we want a, a program that just funnels kids into the NBA but they play in front of empty arenas, yeah. then, hell, let's just give Romar a lifetime contract. But I thought the goal for, of playing college basketball was to win a national championship. Yeah. Look, what Oregon, look what Oregon did. They, yeah. they were nowhere – Five or six years ago, they... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Rebuilt. And now they're amazing. Uh, we have to rip the Band-Aid off. Everyone loves Romar. That's not the that's not the issue. But it's time to win some games. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm with you, pal. Uh, I, I, Scott, I'm not going to disagree with that at all. And your point on the defense is well taken. I mean, they are awful. Uh, they, they, they don't play a lick of defense. I'm not even sure if they can spell defense, honestly. I mean, it's, it's brutal to watch this basketball team play defense. And, and that, that, that should be an automatic. When, it, when, it, when, a, when a game tips off and the kids you know, show up, I mean, defense should be the first thing they should do. And that really was the hallmark 
for Romar. That's what's so perplexing is that when he first showed up here, he would stress that every single year, every single game. You want to play basketball for Lorenzo Romar, you have to play defense. And this team doesn't play any defense. They're terrible on that side of the ball. And that's the thing is that usually bad teams, Kevin, bad teams usually can't score. These guys can score. They're averaging 81 points a game, partly because they have a guy that any given night can drop 30 and Markel, but bad teams usually don't score. This team scores, and if they could play any defense, they'd be right in the thick of the conversation for maybe a bubble. And the fact that they don't is, I'm, I'm with Scott. It's highly disappointing, and it's ridiculous, to be honest with you. All right, 414, we'll switch to the NFL. Nate Burleson is going to join us next, and I, I, I think, I think, kind of give us his semi-early pick for the Super Bowl next on 950 KJR. Lead by example. Go out there and show out. On offense, playmakers, we're going to do our job. On defense, y'all got to do your job. It's going to be the best day of the year. Your home for the 12th man is live from our Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio KJR. It's time for our weekly conversation with NFL Network analyst Nate Burleson. Brought to you by VenueKings.com. Buy tickets to any Hawks home or road game right now at VenueKings.com. Now with Nate Burleson, here's Dave Softy Muller. What's up, man? Can you hear me? Am I mic'd up? All right, baby, here we go. It's that time of the week. Every Friday at 420, courtesy of our friends at VenueKings.com, we get to talk to the king of NFL media, the prince of the NFL network, baby, from Good Morning Football, former Seahawk, former Viking, former Lion, former Brown. Do I have that right? Nate Burleson joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. How are you, man? What's going on? I'm good. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. We're getting ready to take off and head to Houston uh, this weekend. I know we'll see you down there as well. Next week, but uh, you know what? Just it just feels to me, and I know obviously uh, there's nothing you can do if it would have been Pittsburgh and Green Bay, but I, I just feel like the two best teams in the NFL are in this game on uh, on Super Sunday, don't you? I agree. You look at the season in the way that it kind of progressed uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan's been playing like the MVP uh, pretty much consistently all year. His surrounding piece has been great. Julio Jones been playing like the best receiver in the game. Then on the flip side, Tom Brady, after the suspension, he came back even without Gronk, even without Deion Lewis earlier in the year, um, has played you know some of his best football of his career. So uh, you got the number one offense versus the number one defense. It doesn't get much better than this. No, there's no question about that, man. And uh, I, I think the difference in Atlanta now is their defense. Their offense obviously has been phenomenal all year long, but my God, after watching what that Falcon defense did to Aaron Rodgers last weekend, uh, I, I can't wait to see what Dan Quinn can dial up against this Patriot offense, pal. Yeah, you, I mean, and even take it back a week prior to Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, those two are elite, two very elite quarterbacks, and you know what they're doing getting to the quarterback. That hit that. Rodgers took from Poole, that was one of the biggest hits, not only of the postseason, but of the whole year. So for me to see this Atlanta defense and be aggressive, very opportunistic in the postseason, I believe it's uh, three or four interceptions, five sacks. Uh, They're getting after the QBs. And then on top of that, very opportunistic in the way they're getting the ball out. I was talking to Peter Schrager, who's one of the hosts on the show, and he said in the facility, in every meeting room in the offices, there's a ball attached to a stick, and guys have to walk by it, and when they see it, they have to yank at it. And there was no play bigger than the one in Green Bay where Ripkowski, coming up the middle, had a great run to 
the the score at that time, it was still a manageable game for Green Bay. Yep. And then, boom, Collins rips it out. They hop on the ball. You want to talk about a team that takes advantage of small moments in a game? That's the Atlanta Falcons defense. We're talking a lot about the offense, but you're right, Softy. Yeah. That defense is nothing to be played with. All right. Uh, now that my phone has stopped ringing, uh, we can continue with the radio <laughs> show, uh, for God's sakes. You'd think I'd learn to turn my ringer off before we do these type Rookie of things. Move, man. Yeah, no, Rookie move. Terrible, man. Just awful. Well, uh, Nate Burleson, again, from the NFL Network, is with us, courtesy of VenueKings.com. He's here every Friday. But you know what? Get, uh, go back and talk uh, just a bit about that Falcon defense even more because they're so young. they got a bunch of guys in their first and second year. This feels like, uh, obviously, you give uh, the general manager of Atlanta a lot of credit for the guys he's drafted, but I, I don't find it to be a coincidence that they hired Dan Quinn, who's a defensive-minded guy, and all of a sudden, two years later, they have a defense that is just completely shutting down maybe the hottest offense in the NFL in the conference title game. Right. You look at the way that coaches um, kind of separate themselves from the coaches' trees that they fall under, the umbrella that they fall under, and oftentimes it doesn't work out. I mean, we, we all love Gus Bradley. didn't work out in Jacksonville. And then you look at Dan Quinn – he goes to Atlanta, tries to build a similar team with the same pieces now. They're no Seattle Seahawks, but some would say that they could be equally as good, even better. They have the youth on their side. Keanu Neal is an absolute banger. And from what I heard, guys that are close to him, he's very close to Cam Chancellor. So he has a relationship with a guy that has been there, done that. And then you got young players that they went after. Vic Beasley, who started off slow in his career and this year, led the NFL in sex. And then in that front line, yeah, they might be very youthful defensively, yeah. but Dwight Freeney, a guy who's won a Super Bowl, who's been there, done that, uh, I think it's 10 sacks in his post-career, uh, post-season career uh, sack total. So for me, yeah, there's a ton of youth on the Atlanta Falcons team. And, you know, I think the, the thought is that because of the experience and the wisdom from the front office coaching staff and the players in New England, yeah. that that is going to be the ultimate advantage. I say that's not the case. I say the fact that these guys are young and they don't know what they don't know and, and they're not caught up in the history and resume of not only Bill Belichick but Tom Brady, that they will go out there fearless and aggressive and make plays. You know, similar to the Seattle Seahawks yep. when they faced the Denver Broncos yep. and we saw, the, you know, Peyton Manning, the legend, the gunslinger, the sheriff, he's out there and we're thinking, oh, this is it. I mean, if there's any season where Peyton Manning is supposed to win a Super Bowl, this is it. But then you got this very – cocky, confident, young Seattle defense. And not saying that they didn't respect Peyton Manning, but they weren't sitting up all night watching film from 2000. They were sitting up watching recent film and saying, we're playing against this guy. We're playing against a Peyton Manning and taking everything at face value. I believe Atlanta's doing the same thing. Yeah, there's an ultimate respect for Tom Brady. And yes, he's playing some of the best football of his career. But they're not caught up in who he was or who Belichick was. They're caught up in the right now. And right now, yeah. Atlanta has to feel like they're the best team. Well, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth when you were talking about experience and how some people think that'll be to Atlanta's detriment. And I immediately thought of that game in New York a couple years ago when, let's face it, the Seahawks really had no idea what they were doing in that game. Peyton Manning had been right. there twice before with the Colts, and obviously they had a bit more experience maybe on that side of the ball. But I don't know, man. I just feel like the Falcons are the more balanced football team, and that seems nuts to say when you include Tom Brady on one side and the number one defense based on 
on yards per game on the other side. And maybe it does have a lot to do with what they did against Green Bay, what Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Gabriel, Coleman, Freeman are doing right now. Uh, I just feel like they've got the more complete team. And I'm watching the Patriots and Steelers, and I'm watching Chris Hogan, Nate, running around wide open all day long against Pittsburgh. I don't see that happening even remotely against Atlanta. You know, after Seattle beat, after Atlanta beat Seattle, I immediately thought to myself, Atlanta's going to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a feeling that the Patriots will be in it. And I think we talked about it on the show. I kind of gave my prediction. And then, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I fall lucky and, and I get a pick right. But now that we're here and the Super Bowl is so close and we're tap dancing around the, about a week away from this game, it's hard for me to count out the Patriots. It's hard for me to just write them off. And here's the thing, Softy, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, Atlanta is the more balanced team. Their defense seems more aggressive. Uh, their, their offense seems unstoppable at this point, and I don't see with all the talent that they have defensively with the Patriots stopping this offense, stopping Julio, stop, stopping Sanu, Gabriel, and even Matt Ryan. I mean, he's in the zone. He, he will be the MVP. But I still say that to say this. It's the Patriots, and you have to consider Tom. You have to consider LeGarrette Blunt, Deion Lewis, Chris Hogan. Might not even get 30 yards, but there's going to be somebody. You know, like I know, there's going to be one guy that we weren't expecting. Maybe it's, it's White that comes up and has 150 yards for scrimmage. Maybe it's Deion Lewis that gives us a three-touchdown game. Martellus Bennett could go off, and I think that right there is the ultimate mystery when facing the yeah. Patriots. It's almost like they tease us with great games – from certain guys, so it just throws off the way you game plan. Right. I, I wouldn't know, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I wouldn't know how to game plan for the Patriots. There's always one star you point out and say, okay, we got to stop Julio. Okay, in the run game, we got to stop Freeman. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You can't say that about the page. You can't say, oh, we got to stop Blunt. Because then Deion Lewis is going to go off. Oh, we got to stop Lewis. Then LeGarrette Blunt is going to have a few touchdowns. So... In the passing game, yeah, Hogan might not have a big game. But somebody will. Maybe it's Amendola who we haven't heard from in about a year and a half. Julian Edelman could easily be the the Super Bowl MVP. Um, And then the wrinkles. I mean, we know kind of that smooth-flowing offense for the Atlanta Falcons. You know, it's head by Kyle Shanahan, and I know he's a guy that works on consistency. Everything is how he draws it up. Boom, boom, boom. I hope he has some wrinkles in because he's going to need them because I know when facing the Patriots offensively, McDaniels will he will dial up a few trick plays, one that we've seen before, ran out of different formation, and another one that they've been holding in their back pocket for about 365 days. Yeah, I just uh, it's funny you mentioned kind of the X factor of an unknown guy. If the Seahawks had won that game two years ago, you could have made a great case that Chris Matthews would have been the MVP. And, and who the hell would have yeah. seen that coming? And Malcolm Smith the year before that. Nate Burleson, again, is our guest on the radio show. So Kevin Harlan, who does the NFL on Westwood One, he's on CBS as well, is on with us every week. And he told us on the show Wednesday that four of the last five times the number one offense has gone up against the number one defense it's been the number one defense that has won yep. the game. Why is that? 
Well, you know, defense always prevails. And, you know, it's very cliche that we love to say all the time in football is defense wins championships. And it's true. Uh, but there are certain situations, certain scenarios, certain games where that is completely thrown out the door. The only way that the Atlanta Falcons would lose this game if they completely collapse, mm. if they stick to what they know wow. and play the way they've been playing, then they will win this game because they can average 35 points you know, in the postseason and then hold their defenders to just 20. So if you're holding your defenders to 20 points and you put up 44 against Green Bay, then you know you can put up points and win this game. So it, will the bright lights shock some of the young guys in Atlanta? I guess time will tell. But if Atlanta goes out and plays the way they've been playing, yeah. it will be our next Super Bowl champs. Well, uh, I like Atlanta to win. I mean, we got a week to go, so we can change our mind, I guess, between now and Friday. And we'll ask you again for maybe an official prediction, by the way, on the show Friday in Houston. But Nate Burleson's with us on the radio show. Hey, uh, obviously a lot of Seahawks talk over the offseason, Nate, on this show. We had a bunch of guys in yesterday, Walter Jones, Tony Softley, Hugh Millen, all of us. You remember Hugh, by the way, from the uh, TJ Hushpinsada? I remember Hugh. I gave, I gave yeah. you a, a shout-out uh, on the show. You the, did not. The... When? Yeah, I did, because we were talking about – uh, former, was it former uh, quarterbacks that are in, that played for either team in the ah, in this postseason yeah, matchup? Yeah, and uh, his name came up, and you know, guys weren't too familiar. And I went on this story. I said, "Hey, funny story about Hugh. He's a good friend of mine. Um, he's one of the, the top professional voices in Seattle, so I have a lot of respect for him. But when I played for Seattle, there's a very confrontational conversation we had on my man Softy show. It was me." T.J. Usanzada, Deion Branch, and everybody got a laugh out of it. And I said, for people at home watching, go ahead and YouTube it. You'll be you'll be thoroughly entertained. Wow. Well, you know what? We think that that show is the reason why the Seahawks don't let players do shows anymore, like weekly shows, <laughs> because of that. And that was like hey, take. It was, hey, it was a good listen though. It was a good. Well, listen. yeah. I'm I'm not sure if it was worth blowing every show the rest of the decade for crying out loud, but it was fun that day. <laughs> but obviously, uh, the question marks uh, for this team are. The offensive line, the run game, getting that defense back to where they've been the last couple of years. What what would be on your shopping list if you were John Schneider and Pete Carroll over the offseason, man? That offensive line. Yeah, I feel like every place that I can look at, uh, they're, they're solidified. You know, I have faith that Earl Thomas is going to come back stronger than ever. That defense, I mean, they're strong from top to bottom. And then the wide receivers, for me, when utilized right, they can be the best in the game. You get Tyler Lockett healthy, um, we got to have him bounce back. I know he got injured late in the season, uh, but, you know, he's going to be a big part of that offense next year, and I hope that he has a bigger role, a more expanded role than getting touches in this offense. But the offensive line, you got to protect Russell. You know, as good as Russell is, um, he just wasn't himself. He was battling injuries all year, and I can, you know, commend him for not talking about it and not bringing it up. But I'll say it to the people if they're wondering, you know, our Russell didn't escape the pocket often or why he didn't, you know, do some of the same things he's been doing in years past because the guy was banged up. And to be frank with you, he was hurt all year. But he's just man enough to not mention it and go out there and try to tough it out for a squad. So you got to keep him upright. You got to keep him healthy. There's been a lot of teams that invest a lot of money into that offensive line, um, keeping their quarterbacks clean. You know, you, you know what it's like when your quarterback can stay up. They can perform and do their job at a high level. You look at the two there in the Super Bowl – I mean, not often are you seeing these guys dragging themselves up off the ground. So yeah. um, there's something to be said about not just protecting Russell Wilson because that goes hand-in-hand hand with the running game. If you piece together the offensive line well, then you know that the running game is going to get going. So 
just address it. And I'm not saying that the guys there aren't the ones, but find some consistency. There shouldn't be a carousel. There shouldn't be a merry-go-round of guys switching and moving in and out of places. Find your crew, make sure they're solidified, and then work from there. If you got to bring somebody in the draft, then draft the right guy. If you got to go out free agency and cut the check, you know what? Go write that check and bring somebody in that can keep Russ up tight. Nate, let me let me give you kind of a thumbnail sketch, not that you need it, but we'll do it anyway, uh, of the wide receiving core here in Seattle, because that is obviously your forte. Uh, Doug yeah. Baldwin, I think we both agree, professional, solid guy, one of the best in the NFL, no concerns there. Okay, Tyler Lockett gets hurt, obviously a gruesome injury, hoping he's back by September, but you never know how he's going to respond. Paul Richardson had some great games towards the end of the year, but hasn't done it consistently. Jermaine Curse is here. He's made some great catches in the postseason, but obviously his catch percentage this year was was way down. Um, do you feel good about this wide receiving core, or are you kind of like our buddy Hugh Millen, who says the uh, the Seahawks need to go out, and even if it means spending a first-round draft pick on a guy like a Mike Williams from Clemson, add another big target to compliment Doug Baldwin? I, I, I agree 100%. I wouldn't argue that. Um... I wouldn't say just compliment Doug because it's it's dismissive to what other guys bring to the table, but I say just kind of round off that receiving core. And, yeah, you can go out and get a young guy in the draft, but you just never know. I mean, you shake the dice and you hope it turns out. I mean, prime example, you look at Minnesota with the Vikings, Lacan Treadwell, he didn't turn out um, to what they wanted him to be, and everybody assumed he would be a star. And even years previous to that, Cordero Patterson, was a guy that he drafted at wide receiver. He didn't turn out to be a big star. So not every stud wide receiver in college will turn out to be that stud wide yeah. receiver in the NFL. And I say that to bring up this point, and I know it's going to be a little bit of a, a controversial topic, especially when talking about receivers that have played in Seattle. But if you're looking for a guy that can come in, get him for an inexpensive price, that has a veteran mindset, and that you know is going to try to earn every snap, and is a bona fide playmaker, now I consider two names. And, uh, you know, I don't want to start a storm, but look at Josh Gordon and Martavis Bryant. Okay. Now, you know, Josh Gordon, someone say, come on, Nate, the guy done blew it too many times. I don't want that type of guy on my team. I'm just say this. I saw him up close and personal. I spent a little bit of time in Cleveland. And he said to me personally, you know, I'm, I'm probably about 85% where I want to be. I, I still need to lose around – 30 pounds and right now he's at his ideal weight he's just not in the league and he was dominate at practice and I can tell you he probably was about 80 percent of what he could be now him right now 100 percent if he's healthy and his mind is right he could be the best receiver in the game he is that good so I look for those guys because they're the dark horses I know they're second third and even fourth time chance guys but oftentimes in the right situation with the right coach and the right players around these dudes yeah they could they could find the light and become different men. Like Softy, we've seen it. We've seen the guy that we all thought was, quite frankly, an a-hole or a football jerk, and all of a sudden under the right coach and in the right system, we're like, whoa, this guy has really reinvented himself. I mean, for a second they were saying it about Le'Veon Bell, and he, he's like, you know what, let me flip this switch on and get focused. I could be one of the best backs in the league. Let me not stop messing around with the nonsense. And then another guy is Martavis Bryant. I just feel like the, the Pittsburgh Steelers might move on from him, and uh, if they do – He's a tall, rangy, takes the top off the coverage, big receiver, and these guys have something in common. They need the NFL 
more than NFL needs them. Yeah. And when players are in that situation, they become very desperate in the way that they approach it. And it really takes an impact on their work ethic and it makes them the best version of themselves. So, I know. I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 well, it's kind of a wild horse, but right. you know, hopefully we'll see. I know Bryant has applied for reinstatement. Um, is Gordon right. still technically property of the Browns as of now? Yeah, I believe so. But with both of these guys, I'm assuming the the, the bridge is burnt. And, you know, I, I feel like the Cleveland Browns and the Steelers are going to kind of wash their hands yeah. with both of these players. And it, maybe not so Martavis. If the players, the secondary, the complimentary players, that Antonio Brown would have played well in the postseason, and I think they really would have just let Martavis go. But because they didn't, it almost helped Martavis because Martavis now is saying, oh, look, I'm still in the roster. Nobody made plays in the playoffs outside of A.B. You need um, so we'll see what happens when I'm moving into next year. Gotcha. Nate Burleson, great stuff. Appreciate this, man, as always. And we will see you in uh, in person next week in Houston. All right, man? Sounds good, buddy. Appreciate it, boss. Nate Burleson with us every Friday, courtesy of VenueKings.com. We've got to break your text coming up next at 49451. What do you make of that idea? If Josh Gordon or Martavis Bryant become available, would you like to see either one of them on the Seahawks? And then Joe Mathis, former Husky defensive end, who obviously sat out a large majority of the year with the injury. Would have loved to have seen him out there against Alabama. Uh, we'll talk to him at 5 o'clock tonight. Your text, though, on Textimonials of 49451, coming up next. Coming to you live from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Textimonials. Take it away, Dave Softy Mahler. All right, two things. Uh, actually, three things. Uh, number one, if you missed our NFL roundtable yesterday with Walter Jones, Hugh Mill, and Tony Softly, and you're panicking because you don't want to miss it again, uh, we're going to replay it for you at 6 o'clock tonight up until tip-off of the Nathan Hale-Garfield game where I, I think there might be more people online right now to get into the Garfield gym than there was at the last Husky basketball home game, to Hell, be there, honest with you. There might okay. be more people in line than they're even going to be able wow. to get in. Yeah, no, there's no, no question, no doubt. So that's number one. Number two, Joe Mathis, former Husky, who was banged up in the Oregon game, obviously. Uh, he'll join us at 5 o'clock and give us kind of an update on what he's doing and what this last year was like for him. So Joe Mathis at 5 p.m. Uh, and also... Uh, I had number three. What was number three? Oh, yeah. Textimonials brought to you by the Gemini Fish Market. That's what it was. Two stores right in the Nisiquah. For all your fresh seafood needs, check out GeminiFish.com. Anything else you wanted to add, or is that pretty no, much covered at all? All right. We got line four, five, one. What do you got, big boy? Go for it. Is there truth to the idea that I.F. Brummer is kept? He'll have an O authority over these players since UW only kept him for these players. He has no chance to truly coach these kids. Ah. You're letting the inmates run the asylum. So, uh, first of all, uh, nice to know that Texty pronounces if, I, F. Well, when they do all caps. Oh, okay, gotcha, if gotcha. and okay. no. All right, gotcha. So. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that certainly is a possibility that if you bring him back next year, the, the word goes around and round and round that Lorenzo Romar is a lame duck guy and maybe the kids don't give the guy the time of day. I mean, that certainly could be going on right now. It's, it's I mean, let's int- face it, man. Yeah. They, they don't play a lick of defense at all. And I guarantee you... He's in their grill. He's preaching that. David Crisp, uh, I think after the Colorado game, talked about how they got to start playing with some heart. So that absolutely is a possibility. No question. 450, what's next? You think you'll make the Elite Eight will all freshmen? Kentucky is the only good team this year that doesn't have at least a few veterans. Duke is struggling. You're not Kentucky and Duke. 
start over, evaluate, and develop a program. It's a painkiller, not a cure. Okay, so again, you're uh, you're talking about being willing to lose Michael Porter Jr. to fire Lorenzo Romar. And if you missed it, Brandon Roy was on our show way back at 3 o'clock and says he actually says, quote, if Michael Porter Jr.'s future at Washington is directly tied to Lorenzo Romar, you cannot fire the head coach because he's that good. Yep. So if you're willing to let him walk and lose Michael Porter Jr., then great. 451, what's next? Not a one-year plan with Romar. It's a two-year Porter brother plan. We've been with him this long, and how do you justify letting him go before a class like this one coming in? Well, he's talking about Jonte showing up in 2018. Yep. Uh, the word is is that Jonte Porter is going to try to get into school next year. He's a junior at Nathan Hill. When do you think we'll hear more on that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I asked uh, Brandon about it, and he, he claims that they're not even talking about that stuff. So, whatever. But, you know... If that is the case, then you got five hundred, five top hundred guys uh, coming into school next season. I would think that if Jonte Porter is trying to get into UW next year, then you would at least know by this June when the school year is over, yeah. if not even earlier. What's next? Fire Romer. Bring in Brandon Roy as coach. When next year, build for the future. I don't think you're going to see a high school basketball coach go directly to a head coach at a major Division One university. Yeah, you may see him be an assistant coach. You may see him go somewhere else and then show up at UW down the road. I mean, you had Cameron Dollar, who obviously was an assistant on some really good teams at UW that had to go to Seattle, and he's having some struggles, obviously, there, getting that program on solid footing. But like I said earlier, man, I don't think there's any doubt, no doubt in my mind, that at some point, Brandon Roy is either A, going to be the head coach of the Huskies, or B, at least be on the staff. What's next? If Romer leaves, they will go after Cameron Dollar. Oh, come on. <sighs> it's like we timed it. It's oh, like we had a conversation about I, that before this segment started. That I almost I almost saved that for the end so I could throw in the... Yeah, well, look, you know what? I like Cameron Dollar, but you can't struggle as much as he has at Seattle U and then uh, come coach well, the Huskies. Well, I mean, to, to his defense... Okay, and I get it, and you're right. He, he's not, they're not tearing up the league over there. But when he showed up, they made the move, obviously, to, to the, D1, a, yeah. a new level of basketball, yeah. and he's been trying to get that program going, has had a hard time doing it. Obviously, he's been taking some, some scraps from UW, uh, some guys that, you know, Clarence Trent, for example, players like that, and has not been able to get it going yet at Seattle U. So yeah. I, I don't think that's the route they'd go if you're going to fight. Listen, if you're going if you're going to fire Lorenzo Romar and lose Michael Porter Jr. over it and you want to hire Cameron Dollar, you can hire Cameron Dollar whenever. You could hire him in three yeah, years from that's... now. You're not firing Lorenzo Romar and losing Michael Porter because you're desperate to hire Cameron Dollar. Come on, man. What's next? Hello. Sign me up for Josh Gordon right now. Yeah. Not a bad guy, just personal demons. If he can get right, he would be a weapon. Oh, God. Well, first of all, Josh Gordon hasn't played in a football game since 2014, and he played five games that year. Here's the thing with Josh Gordon. First of all, he's right about the demons, alcohol, marijuana, whatever. Yeah. Same thing with Martavis Bryant, by the way. I think there's a much better chance that the Browns – is he he's still under contract with so, the Browns, right? It's confusing. His contract originally went through 2015. Yeah. But then he got suspended. Now, but that because he got suspended, it pushed to 2016. I think, but he got suspended again. So I don't. Okay, I think so he's. I don't a, know if he's still with. I them. think he's a restricted free agent right now. I think that's the case. But I'm not sure if the second suspension well, or the one for the 2016 right. season extended it. Let I don't me just know. let me just throw this in because I I, I 
to me, it's kind of irrelevant. I, I think the Browns are going to move on from him no matter what. I don't think Pittsburgh is moving on yet from Martavis Bryant. Right. I, I, think, I, I get the impression that they're much more likely to keep him versus the Browns totally and Josh agree. Gordon. Yeah, I, I mean, Hugh, Hugh Jackson even said it like three months ago. But then they didn't make the move, which right. is weird. Well, I maybe they're trying to trade him, see what they can get for him. But here's the thing about Josh Gordon. If he can stay eligible, okay, which, I mean, the guy's one misstep away from getting kicked out of the NFL forever. Yeah. Number one, you're not paying the guy a lot of money. That's number one. Yep. Number two, he's 25 years old. He's 6'3", 220. In 2013, which was his second year in the NFL, he caught 87 balls on 159 targets. Whoa. 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns, and averaged eight, uh, 19 yards a catch. If Josh Gordon hadn't gotten in trouble... Josh Gordon might be the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. And that was three years ago that he put those numbers up. He'd be being talked about like Des Bryant, Julio Jones, no question. And, okay, he's having garbage at quarterback. I mean, dude, if this guy can stay active and stay out of prison um, and be eligible to play, I mean, I would have no problem with the Hawks giving the guy a small deal. I mean, look, somebody's going to. If Josh Gordon is eligible to play and the Browns let him walk, somebody is going to sign him. It may as well be us. 456. Trade Sherman for Joe Thomas. Rights for Gordon and the pick. Mm. Yeah! Well, uh, Joe Thomas, did you see what Joe Thomas said the other day? Joe uh, Thomas said it, to if, draft if the he's the Browns, they should draft an edge rusher yeah. and not a quarterback. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Maybe Joe Thomas is already thinking about staying with the Browns and getting them back to contention. But Richard Sherman for Joe Thomas and the rights to Josh Gordon and a draft pick. So, wait a minute. So, the Hawks are getting Gordon, they're getting a draft pick, and they're getting Joe Thomas? That's what he said. For Richard Sherman? Uh Uh-huh. I don't think the Browns would do that. Just my gut. What's next? Soft one. Yes. Did you catch any of the interview with the Seattle council members the COUG guys play today? Yeah. Yep. Not trying to get you off on a tangent, but damn, that was hard to listen to. Damn! Misinformed and extremely disappointing. Well, we're going to play it at 520 for those that missed it. Um, yeah, it was it was difficult to hear, and I guess I'll just leave you with this little tease because we'll hear the audio at 520. I, I, I don't get this disdain for Chris Hansen. I really don't. From certain members of the city council and their tone towards him, I think it's shameful. And we'll talk about that at 520 after we hear the audio. What's next? Last one. I called two guys hipsters today and they got really pissed. Apparently, they prefer the term conjoins twins. <laughs> I had a whole reaction plan for that. Didn't even, didn't even realize it was a joke. Yeah. Thinking maybe the guy did call a couple of guys a hipster. All right. Good stuff. 457. Joe Mathis, former Husky. We're going to talk with him next about what this year was like sitting out, watching the Huskies win, watching them lose to USC, not being there for Alabama. Did they maybe delay the surgery a little bit too long? We'll talk a little Husky football with JoJo Mathis coming up next from the Carter Volkswagen Studio right here on 950 KJR. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.